whilst you're young, before you get into that bit when you need to pay bills, rent, etc., you should try and aim to take risks and start your own business. Like so today is episode one of the Non 9 to 5 podcast. So the reason why I've set up this podcast is when we go to school, we're taught to go to school, then go to university, and then get yourselves a job and work your standard nine to five until you retire. But now in the 21st century, it is the best time for anyone, I mean anyone, to set up their own business, become their own boss, and start making money working for themselves. So on this podcast, I'm aiming to get some guests where basically they showcase their story, other people who've not gone down the standard nine to five route, become entrepreneurs and turn their own interests, hobbies, into their own business, their own work. And I want to kind of inspire you lot from their stories and my stories to show that anyone is possible of becoming their own boss and setting up their own business and not going down the standard nine to five route. By the way, if I do sound a bit jittery or out of breath, surprisingly, I'm actually a little bit nervous. I've been featured on a podcast before as a guest, but never sat here talking to myself. And I'm also filming for my YouTube channel. So it makes the dynamic a little bit harder, a lot more pressure. And also on this podcast, I'm aiming to try interview small businesses because usually on the bigger podcasts, you mainly hear from like bigger incorporations. Like you do gain a lot of knowledge, but it's not as relatable because they own like worldwide enterprises, like massive companies that they've built for like the past 10 to even 20 years. So I want it to kind of be more relatable to the average person and talk about mainly small business owners, people who've just like recently started out within the last three years and they've only just started, you know, expanding, employing their first staff, or maybe they're just still doing it solely on their own, but they're making a comfortable living, just working for themselves and they absolutely love it. So for anyone who's new here, I'm gonna introduce myself. My name is Dom Hadley. I'm from the UK. I currently live in Manchester. I'm 23 years old, and I currently own two businesses. So my first business I set up three years ago, and that's in partnership with my friend Alfie, and that is called Payday Vintage. It is an online vintage clothing store where we sell secondhand branded clothing worldwide from brands like Tommy Hilfiger, Adidas, Nike, Burberry, Pretty much any brand, you name it, we have sold it on our website and we're growing every single year. And yeah, if you wanna buy any vintage clothes, be sustainable, then check out Payday Vintage. And then my second business, it is my new clothing brand, which I started three to four months ago. So I think it was yeah, December and it is called Ultra Pleats. It is a minimal men's clothing brand. I only currently sell trousers. However, I'm planning to expand and bring out all kinds of like tops, hoodies, jackets, etc. And then I also have like my own personal brand that's through social media. So I run a YouTube channel, which is called Payday Pickups, where I do men's fashion. And I also run an Instagram where I work and collaborate with brands, which is called Dom Hadley underscore. If you wanna check it out and give it a follow. So for today's episode, episode one, we're gonna be talking about my business journey. We're gonna talk about mindset and we're gonna talk about networking. So the first two episodes are gonna be me solely on my own. And then after that, I'm gonna to aim to have a different guest, another entrepreneur from any different field, every single episode. So I've got like 10 guests lined up and they all own businesses in a variety of different fields, but they should all aim and inspire you from their stories. So we're gonna go right back to the beginning and I wanna talk about me from my childhood because you hear this in a lot of podcasts Childhood seems to be one thing that kind of resonates in the future and you kind of realize it a lot more when you get older. And so my talk about my parents, first of all. So my mum, she is from Thailand, so I'm half Thai. My mum's from Thailand. She's from a completely different background. So very poor childhood, very poor upbringing. She's not used to like materialistic things. She's used to working hard her whole life and not getting that much in return. And then my dad, he is from the UK. He did the standard nine to five route, surprisingly. So the opposite of me. And he worked hard his whole life, went to university. And he is an accountant, so he's doing well for himself. But one thing that they taught me my whole life was they never spoiled me. Like they never bought me material things. They never bought me lots of things. If I asked for pocket money, they wouldn't give me it. So it was always like strict 
they wouldn't give me stuff. And one thing I always remember, it may sound quite sad, is Christmas Day. So surprisingly, obviously I didn't hate Christmas Day as a whole, I'm not the Grinch, but one thing I didn't like about Christmas Day was the present side of it because a lot of my friends, you know, and one thing when you're younger is everyone says Merry Christmas to you, you text each other and they say, what did you get for Christmas? I used to hate that because my parents didn't spoil me so I'd only usually get like one present. I'm not being ungrateful or anything like that but in comparison to like my friends at the time when you're young and you're growing up and you're learning, they were getting loads of new things like iPhones, Xboxes, Xbox games, I don't know, um, basically any new gadget and they'd list out a load of things and i just say this one thing. I don't know if it sounds weird but you know you feel like embarrassed, like you just, I didn't want to tell them what I got and I always used, to, I didn't want to question my parents because they don't want to be rude, but I remember saying that one time to my dad, like, how can I, like, you know, get the stuff that my kind of friends have? And he said, like, if you want something, you've got to work hard for it. You've got to earn the money yourself and then you can buy those things. If I give you these things for granted, then you won't work hard because you've had it all given to you. So there's no need for you to work hard because you've got everything. And that resonated me from a very young age. So when I first turned 13, so when you're legally allowed to earn money, Handing my CV in, I remember on my birthday to my local one stop to get a paperboy job and they said, they knew me from coming in all the time, it's my local shop and they were like, yeah, you can have the job. So I started literally two days later and did that until I was about 15 years old. Obviously it's not a lot of money, gained about £30 a week, but it was good to have my own money. When I went to town on the weekends, I could spend my own money because I didn't get pocket money. So it was really nice to have, you know, my own money to spend on sweets, McDonald's, you know, all the silly stuff. But it was good to finally have like my own money. You know what my dad said? What my dad basically said, obviously work hard and then you can get the things you want. So obviously that was a little bit of money, but it wasn't really enough. So from being in high school, I was at a big high school, like 1,500 kids, a public school. And I noticed that a lot of kids in the older years well, a few were selling sweets and chocolate. And I used to buy off them because the canteen don't sell like sweets or chocolates. You could buy like Kit Kats, Dairy Milk, Galaxy, whatever. And there was obviously a huge demand and such little supply. So I saw them doing it and I used to buy off them and I could see they were selling. So they had swarms of kids coming around them like, what have you got, what have you got, what have you got? And I just thought, mate, that looks so easy. It looks so easy. The kids come to you. You don't even have to do anything. You just stand there and kids are just handing you money. So I saw them do it and I just decided to do it on a small scale. So I live near the one stop, as I mentioned, and I live near a spa. And it's basically, you know, you buy a four pack of chocolate bar or sweets. It's four for a pound. You sell them 50p each. You basically double your money. If you sell all of them, you get two pounds. So I used to do it just on the side. I used to sell like only eight things just to my mates, just nothing big, just an extra bit of pocket money each day, do you know what I mean? An extra two pound each day. And I was already not spending all my pocket, my, my dinner money. I got three pound a day. And I'd always try and aim to only spend two pound or two pound fifty. So I'd save that money. So I had more money to, you know, spend on my own things on the weekend. So from that, as the years went on, the older kids left. So there's less, obviously, supply. So I ended up expanding. So the next year, I remember in year 10, I took it a lot more seriously. I went to One Stop, I went to Morrison's, Iceland, um, Spa, and also Tesco, and I started buying a lot more stock. Like, I was pretty much giving out diabetes in, in school. I literally would sell 80 chocolate bars, I don't know, 25 packs of sweets, six packs of crisps, 20 Lucasades, and some weeks I'd be literally earning 100 to 150 pound profit a week. So some months I was earning 600 pound a month, and that much money, like, 15 years old was like insane but unlike other kids I know I did spend some of it but I was actually saving a lot I had a, some trick where even though you get all of it in in coins I used to go to Morrison's on the self-checkout say for example if I was buying stock and it costs four pound I would throw all my pound coins in so like 70 pound in pound coins and the change would come out in notes so you get your lovely lovely notes and I remember I had my bedroom had this little shoe box just full of notes I was saving. I didn't know what, because you don't need money back then. You're not spending money on anything apart from like football stuff, X, well I was, football stuff, Xbox games. So I was just saving all my money. I didn't know what to do with it. Just in the shoebox in my room. And then it kept getting even better. I was like, how can I earn more? I actually employed a kid. So I had a kid who'd carry 
a JD background. <laughs> this sounds just mad. At like 16, I'd employed a kid in school. I had another kid who was my mate who I'd give a bag to, just carry loads of LucasAids. So I couldn't carry like 40 LucasAids in my bag. So I gave him a JD bag just full of LucasAids, pretend it's his PE kit, and I'd just pay him a pound a day, which he'd usually just spend on stock so that I could sell more. So then I was expanding and I was probably doing like sometimes £200 a week profit, which is is insane. Insane. And I was saving it, as you said, saving up. And then when it got to kind of um, sixth form time, that's when I kind of had to stop because in sixth form, we're not wearing uniform anymore. So it was just impossible not to get caught because if there's kids swarming you in their uniform, you can't really blend in. So my selling days were kind of over. But I basically saved up all that money and hadn't didn't know what to spend it on and in total i think i saved is either between i think it was six thousand pounds six grand at the age of like 16 which is just insane and then at that time we're in sixth form you didn't have to wear uniform anymore so we had to wear our own clothes so that's when i started getting into fashion a lot more i kind of loved the feeling of having a new outfit for a new day and people complimenting on it and I used to always go to charity shops because you can get such a bargain. I didn't understand, like even Primark back in the day, I used to just love Primark. It was so cheap. You get so many clothes. I liked having a variety of clothes. And then charity shops were even better because you could find like Ralph Lauren, Tommy Hilfiger, Nike for literally two to three pounds at a charity shop. So back in my childhood with my older brother, we used to always watch YouTube like KSI, The Sidemen, Nigahiga, which all the YouTubers, me and my brother just love it. Like I love YouTube more than TV. So we decided in, I think what year was it? 2015 to set up a YouTube channel. We didn't have a clue what to do it on. We just wanted to do a YouTube channel. My brother's four years older than me and he's a graphic designer. So he designed like the logo and like the animation and stuff. And I recently bought a pair, God, they're awful. Who remembers? I don't know if you all remember Nike ID. I mean, it still goes around now where you can customize your own shoe. It's basically the Adidas version. And it was a time when the Yeezy Red Octobers were trending, so red shoes were really on trend. Or it might be the Nike Independence Day Air Max. And I made an all red pair of ZX Flux with Hadley on the back. They are god, they are awful. And thought they were amazing. So I bought them and I thought, let's just do a video on them. So we did a video on them. The video is terrible. I'll link it down below if you want to go check it out. And it managed to get like 30,000 views. Obviously, red shoes are on trend. So we were like, this is insane. We called the channel Payday Pickups. We kind of had the idea of every month when it's payday, you go and you pick up some new clothes. So we set up the YouTube channel. And yeah, that's where we, the whole journey in the kind of fashion realm started. So we started the YouTube channel. We just did it for fun. We didn't tell anyone about it. It was just a little side thing because you have so much free time, especially when you're in sixth form. I know you're doing your A-levels, but you're only doing three to four subjects now. You have loads of free time and then you get the holidays. So I just always wanted to do YouTube as a kind of productive side hobby. And also, if you're wondering how I had like the equipment to start my YouTube channel, I used the money from my selling, the money I saved up to buy. I remember my first ever camera. It was a DSLR. I bought it secondhand on eBay the Canon 600D for £200. I had no clue on cameras. I just knew Canon was obviously a popular camera brand. And I searched on Google and it said it was like one of the best basic starter cameras. And it did me well. It served me for about two to three years on my YouTube channel. I reckon I only upgraded when I moved to America, which is insane. I didn't even know how to use the camera, but the quality was there at the time. And then my proudest ever purchase is sitting on this table right now. I edit all my videos on it still. It is my MacBook Pro, which I bought in 2015. It was the newest model at the time. I use student discount. I always got to get them bargains. And I spent £850, which is honestly an insane amount at like, what, 16, 17 years old. And going back to the story I mentioned previously, I actually bought this laptop on Boxing Day because I hated obviously the whole thing of saying on Christmas Day what I, what I got to my friends. So I bought myself a MacBook Pro to pretend that I got given a MacBook Pro. That just sounds so sad, but that's exactly what I did. So from starting the channel, that's what definitely 
gained my interest into fashion a lot more. From having this YouTube channel, I kind of felt obliged, you know, get new clothes, showcase my shopping, and that was kind of in content. So it kind of went with me getting new clothes for sixth form, and then me creating a new video for YouTube, and it all kind of worked, you know, hand in hand, like they all correlate together. And from that, we kept building. Unfortunately, my brother, because he's four years older than me, he got a full-time job and fashion wasn't really his priority. He didn't want to spend his money on clothes, so he left the channel. So it just went to me solely, which it still is today. And then from that, from school, I didn't really know what to do yet. I was buying clothes from charity shops and selling them on Depop. If you don't know what Depop is, it's like eBay. It's an online platform, but it's mainly for selling secondhand clothes. So I'd use that to make like an extra side income. And then I went to university. So I went to the University of Leeds to study international business. I really didn't know what I wanted to study, but I wanted to do something business related because I've said to my dad always that I wanted to set up my own business. I just didn't know what to do yet. So first year of uni, didn't really think about anything like money-wise. I was just going out. It was actually pretty poor, surprisingly, because first year of uni, everyone is. they just the first time you meet loads of people and the whole year is just you going out getting drunk and having so much fun. And then we got to second year. Well, first year actually, there was one point where I was really poor, like I was struggling to pay my rent because my student loan came in and I just assumed that's free money. Yet in reality, it didn't cover my rent. So on for the side, I used to work at a club and then I was going to the vintage stores and charity shops every day after uni. I'd come back, look at the vintage stops, find any bargains and I'd sell them on my Depop. And Surprisingly, I was finding quite a lot of good stuff. There was a lot of kilo sales that came to the Leeds Uni, where it's basically you get a bag and you pay £15 for a kilo. You can fill the bag up with whatever's there. So you aim for t-shirts because they're the lightest. And I kind of had a good eye for fashion because I've been doing my YouTube channel. So I get like branded stuff. And then I could take photos of me wearing the stuff and then I'd sell it on my Depop. So I'd get content from my Instagram through the clothes as well as then selling them on my Depop. So I'd be making money and it started growing a lot more like I was gaining a lot of sales I think I got up to like maybe 250 to 300 sales which back in the day was quite a lot so I was pretty gassed about that like I was making basically a pretty good side hustle just from selling these clothes whilst you know just still at uni and working at the club and then I just thought in the second year of uni I was like if there's this much demand for these secondhand clothes and when you go to university so many, especially Leeds University, so many people wear secondhand vintage clothing. So I was like, there's such a demand for it. I just need to know how to get more stock. I can't just keep going to these charity shops every day. I need somewhere to source more stock. So I went on the internet and saw a load of few other vintage sellers. I was messaging them like, where'd you get your stock from? Obviously getting pied by all of them because no one is gonna give their supplier away. Like no one in their right mind would be that stupid to be like, oh yeah, I get all my stock from this place and tell you because you're going to become a competitor. But I was searching and searching and I found this mini vintage company, had like 300 followers called Sarah Vintage. They had really nice stuff. It was at the time when Tommy and Polo were like the biggest trend and they had all these spell outs like embroidered, the big USA flags, the big Tommy flags, the Ralph Polo bear. I dropped them a message saying, you're right, mate. Um, love your page, love your clothes. Would you fancy like a phone call? I wanna like ask you a few questions. So we jumped on a phone call and obviously same question. I asked him, who's your supplier? He said, no, he's not gonna tell me. But at the time I accumulated around, I think it was maybe 12,000 followers on my Instagram. So I had a decent following. Obviously all my followers or majority of my followers were around men's fashion. So we proposed the idea this is with the guy who owns Sarah Vintage was Alfie, who's my partner now. He proposed the idea of why don't we join together? I've got the following, the way to grow the page, which is obviously what he was lacking. And he's got the suppliers. He can provide the good clothes. We can collaborate and then we can create a company. And obviously that you should be skeptical on that. Like, I don't even know this kid. I've never even met him. He's from the other side of the country. He's from down south. It sounds stupid. Like I remember telling my dad and he was like, you're crazy. Like, why would you just join a business with a random person you've never met he could just steal all the money you put in at the start and then just get rid of the business and yeah he was he was right that obviously could happen and Alfie's parents were exactly the same so for the past like six months we just 
were calling back and forth and then we met like three times in person to kind of you know get to know each other before setting up a business and then we kind of like solidified the relationship made a game plan and then in January I think it's 21st January 21st 2018 we decided to get our first batch in of wholesale vintage clothing and then we launched Payday Vintage so Payday Vintage came from obviously my YouTube channel it's called Payday Pickups so the name kind of resonated well. I was kind of obviously the face of it because I had the following and we called it Payday Vintage. So the two of us to this day set up Payday Vintage and then we've been growing it for the past three years. So we started small and then we kept getting bigger, reinvesting our profits, not paying ourselves because to grow a business in the first year, you want to just keep reinvesting the money, put all the money into the business and then pay yourself in the long run. So we kept going, we're doing events. I know getting new stock in we'd literally do anything promoting it through instagram youtube whatever it may be and then yeah we kept growing our business and now we've grown it to a point where we've got 128,000 followers on instagram we have customers from all over the world and we now both do it full time which is insane alfie's two years below me so he's 21 and i'm 23 and we're both running this business full time which is insane like honestly insane and i'm so thankful for everyone just came along the journey with us and it kind of works hand in hand for my YouTube channel too because I don't have to buy clothes because I can use the vintage clothes and I love vintage clothes as you can tell I'm wearing this Tommy Hilfiger sweatshirt obviously you can't see that if you're listening to the podcast version but I love vintage clothing so it kind of gives me more clothes to wear for my fit pics for, to grow my personal brand as well as helping payday vintage and then we're going to move on to the story of my recent clothing brand called Ultra Pleats so I actually started this pretty recently, so yeah, three to four months ago. I've, all my uni friends will know it. I've always wanted to set up a clothing brand, but it just never felt right. I never had the right product, never had the right supplier. And I think the whole thing at university, I was kind of concentrating on uni, payday vintage and enjoying myself. So never really felt like the right time. And now I've recently moved to Manchester. I found a really good supplier and was really confident in my product, the pleated trousers. And I just thought, let's go for it. Like, I know how to market a company from my experience from Payday Vintage and how to build a website. And you can check out the video if you want to see how I set up my whole clothing brand. But yeah, I just went for it and it went a lot better than I thought. So did my second drop, which recently just done and it's just sold out. So my drop three is going to hopefully come end of March or the start of April. But I'm going to keep aiming to expand that because I really love creating, you know, my own clothes, putting my own like sense of fashion into clothes I can kind of wear for myself and to see other people wearing my my stuff that I've manufactured is just honestly insane and thank you for everyone who supported that brand so far and then going on to personal branding for extra income yeah I collaborate with brands and produce content for my Instagram as well as on my YouTube channel so now we've spoken all about me Sorry if that felt like I rambled on a bit too long, but I hope you kind of got to relate more and hear how like I started from quite a young age. And the good thing as well, starting at a young age, is you don't have any responsibilities. Like the older you get, the more responsibilities you have from paying rent, I don't know, setting up a family, having kids, getting a job. So I set up my own business in second year of uni. Like I should be concentrating on my degree and I was balancing running a business or a growing startup whilst at university and honestly it was so hard to juggle that in a degree and I also went to America for my year abroad so I was running a business that I wasn't even in the country so that was pretty insane too I'll delve into America in a different episode but now we're going to move on to the next part which we're going to talk about mindset so there are a lot of things to talk about when having an entrepreneurial mindset and the first one which I think is really key it is to not care what people think. You should care about what your close friends think and your family thinks, but what like the random public and other people think, you need to just block you need to block it out because that is something that will always happen and you can't let it put you down. So for example, when I started my YouTube channel, I started my YouTube channel back in 2015, which I know now it's quite normal to set up a YouTube channel, but in 2015, like no one was doing it. No one at all. And I remember when I set up my brother, we didn't tell anybody because we thought it was going to be embarrassing. And yes, if you go back and see my old videos, they are embarrassing because 
you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We just did it because we wanted to try something new and we loved YouTube. So we didn't tell anyone. And I remember after about maybe two months, three months, it somehow leaked. I'm from Chester, which is a very small city, probably about 80,000 people and everyone knows everyone. And when this leaked, literally everyone in my school spread around like a viral, like the coronavirus and everyone knew about it. And honestly, I was getting so much stick. Like people just taking the piss out of me constantly. Like, what are you doing? Like you're going out in public in these Chester spots and you're filming yourself in your outfits. Like, what are you doing? Like, what? Like everyone was laughing at me and you've got to learn to get past that. Like a lot of people, like, I'm not even going to lie to you. I felt like I wanted to quit because coming to school every day, people are making jokes about it, like pay gay pickups or just like, what are you wearing? Or like they'd get a clip off of it. And yeah, it was embarrassing. Like people were just laughing at me, taking the piss, but I aim to use, cause I loved making the videos. I love creating content. It's one thing I do. Like I just love creating new things. And when people take the piss, I just thought use that energy and kind of turn it into um, a motivation. So kind of take it as I want to prove them wrong. I want to prove what I can take this to. Because I've seen like other people on YouTube, like KSI is one of my biggest inspirations. Like he clearly shown that you can literally achieve anything. He started as a YouTuber who just played FIFA and made a few funny videos. And now he's sold out professional boxing fights in Wembley Arena. It was the second most viewed boxing fight ever. And then he's obviously got become number one in the UK top 40 for his music. He's collabed with rappers from all over the world and he's built up so many different YouTube channels. Like he's probably one of the most successful UK YouTubers and hands down, hats down to KSI. Like he has been one of my biggest inspirations and role models. So yeah, first of all then, well, I've kind of gone off topic a bit there, but learn to not care what people think. And you should though only learn to care about the people who are close to you and that goes on to my next point, which is taking on constructive criticism. So once again, going back to my childhood, I definitely learned this from a young age and this is from my dad. So my dad, it sounds like he was hard on me, but it's definitely helped so much in the future. So I, back in the day, was football obsessed, like the standard, you know, boy, thought I was gonna become a professional football player. I played at academy level for a bit, so literally was my dream, I thought, I'm going to become a professional. This is like what every kind of young lad who's into football wants their life to be like. And when I used to play football, even if I thought I played well, like I, you know, when I play well, I'd be buzzing after the game. I'd be like, dad, like, did you see my assist? Did you see that tackle? Did you see that goal? And my dad would always just say, oh, you did all right. And he'd just go straight into the things I did wrong. He'd be like, but you missed that pass. You missed that tackle. After you scored, you were a little bit lazy. Like, you just seemed like you were unfit. And I would always, like, be like, kind of like, what? Like, I thought I played well. And then after the game, I'd be a bit down. And he, it always gave me that motivation to kind of, like, prove him wrong. So, like, I would work on those things, he said. I'd work harder. I'd work to, you know, not be lazy the whole game. I'd go on runs. So I'd make myself fitter. And that's kind of resonated into my future life now. Like, I always, like, push that little bit extra. I always want to do, I'm very, you'll see it in like anything I do. I'm very competitive. Like I know on this YouTube channel, I will get to a hundred thousand subscribers. Like it's going to happen. I want that YouTube plaque and I'll make it happen because I'm competitive. But that's why you've got to sometimes in life though, take on constructive criticism. So a few of my mates who are close, they own their own businesses. I will show them content. For example, Matt, who I live with at the moment, I will show my videos or my photos and I'll always just say, what can I do better? It's not, there's nothing good about showing your mates and they just say, oh yeah, that's sick. Cause you're not going to improve. You always want to hear how you could do better. I always want to hear, I know some people get down by that, but honesty is just the best policy. Like if people are honest, that's why you see so many CEOs who are really arrogant. They tell you how it is because then you'll learn from your mistakes and you'll learn how to improve. So for example, with Matt, I never used to listen to Matt back in the day. When I did YouTube, I didn't even know how to use a camera. And he'd always tell me, <laughs> it sounds so funny now, but I look back at my old videos and I think they're so bad. He'd always tell me, 
It's a basic thing in videography called the rule of thirds, where you can only be in the middle or on either of the thirds for the framing to look right on a video. And I had a shoe thing in my second year of uni, a shoe rack that showed my nice shoes, and I would stand on the far side of the camera just so I could show my shoes off. I look back on the videos and they look horrible to look at. I would never listen to him and because I was stubborn, I thought, you know, I've got the YouTube channel that's doing well, like, what, what do you know? And this is what I mean where you've got to take on constructive criticism. So he was telling me I should have done that and it took me like six more months until I realised he was right, like it improved my videos so much and they looked so much better and I'm so thankful for having him and that we live together because he has taught me so much, he's always brutal on everything I show him, he basically just tells me what's shit about it before anything that's good about it, but I love that policy. I mean sometimes it can annoy you because you think, oh I thought it was amazing, but in the long run it'll be so so much better, there's always someone who's more knowledgeable than you who can teach you so much more. And that goes from the saying, there's a kind of analogy that I got taught. I remember it was from an Uber driver, so, so random, really motivating Uber driver. And he said this story, he was like, picture this, you're in a company, you're in a meeting. The CEO says, put your hand up if you know who is the top seller this month. And everybody puts their hand up. And he says, now put your hand up if you've ever taken him out for drinks or food. And no one's hands go up. And basically the moral of the story is you can always learn from them. someone better than you and you can always learn from them. So I always reach out to other I don't know, YouTubers in the field to kind of improve my videos or other entrepreneurs like my close friend James, he owns Remedy Clothing. We always help each other. We're always fully brutal on one another and give each other our full honest opinion on how we can improve. Like after this podcast, I will send it to him and he'll be brutal and tell me what he thinks I did wrong, what he thinks I did right and... I can incorporate it into my next episode. So definitely aim to take on constructive criticism. Then the next bit I wanna talk about, it is just going for it. So a lot of people have this thing where it's like the fear of failure or the fear of going something going wrong and then just not committing and doing it. And I feel like sometimes in life, you just gotta go for it. Like. What is the point of being in that fear of failure? Yes, something might fail, but you learn the most from failure. If things are going right your whole life, you're not gonna improve as much. Whereas something goes wrong, you remember what went wrong and you know you never wanna do it again. And you aim to do everything in your path for that not to happen again. So that's one of the things I think was my best thing about my start on my YouTube. I just did it. Like I didn't even know how to use a camera. I didn't know how to edit a video. I just knew that I loved YouTube and wanted to do something in my spare time. And the YouTube was definitely the base that opened up all my opportunities for like, obviously setting up my business, my YouTube, my, my Instagram, working with brands, and then even starting this podcast, like you learn so much by just doing it. Like a lot of people just keep putting things off. They say, oh, I don't have this. They make excuses. There's no excuses. You just have to do it. Like you work with what you've got. Like the camera I was filming with when I started YouTube was terrible. Like it was terrible. It was like a cheap, I don't know, 150 pound camera, the quality wasn't any good. I didn't even know how to use it. I just put it on auto and just press film. But like from just doing it, I learned so much because I could then watch back my old videos and then improve every single time because I had something to go back off from. If you try and become such a perfectionist and just start when you think is you in your best state, someone else like who's a competitor from you could have started before you and then they've got so much more experience on you so you may as well just go for it there's no point waiting around if you have an idea and you think it's a good idea and you want to pursue it just go for it I mean be be in your right means like obviously if you don't you need to do some background research but just weigh up your risks and then just go for it especially in the times where you've got less responsibilities like I mentioned earlier we're young and that's why I just went for everything. And usually when opportunities come my way, I always say yes to them. All my friends will know it. I'm such a yes man. I can't turn down things, <laughs> especially when it's in person. I always just say yes. And doing, opening up yourself to opportunities is when you learn so much more. Like you meet so many more people, you learn so many new skills. And honestly, like for me, like I've learned videography now, 
photography, how to like deal with working with big companies, how to set up my business, how to run accounts, how to literally things that you think you'd be taught at university, but you just weren't. Like I took a business degree and they didn't teach you how to set up a bank account, how to, I don't know, officially register a company with HMRC. They didn't tell you how to do VAT returns, how to do tax returns, how to do your personal returns, how to even pay tax. Like uni teaches you how to get a job, not how to set up your own business. And the final bit of mindset I want to talk about is manifestation and believing in your goals. So if you know what manifestation is, you've probably heard it in many other podcasts or just even from like word of mouth. Manifestation is just constantly thinking of something like a goal. And if you keep thinking about it that much, then you believe it and you'll turn that belief into reality. For example, like I mentioned earlier, 100K, follow 100K subscribers on the YouTube channel. Like I know no matter how long it's going to take, I will get there. I will get that YouTube plaque. I've manifested it in my head and I know if I keep putting out that content, keep pushing it out, like keep learning and adapting my skills, then I will get 100,000 followers on or subscribers on YouTube. I said this with Payday Vintage and we hit 100,000 followers last, I think, November or October, which is like insane. And if you manifest these goals, then they'll happen. For example, I said I was going to set up a business. I managed to do it in second year of uni. And one day I manifest that I will become a millionaire. Like I'm saying it right now. I know for a fact that I will hit become a millionaire. I'll believe in it and I'll manifest it. And you end up turning that belief into reality. My friend James, which I mentioned previously, he did a podcast episode on manifestation. And you'll have heard it from lots of many famous people. For example, you may have heard the Jim Carrey story. Jim Carrey is an actor. And when he was younger, he knew he wanted to become an actor. He wrote himself a million dollar check and he put it into his wallet, kept it in his wallet and looked at it, you know, every single day until he got the whole act and role in Dumb and Dumber. And then he actually became a millionaire and now he's a worldwide successful actor. He manifested his dreams and it turned into a reality. And I know people think manifestation is gibberish, but honestly, if you keep thinking of that thing, it will become a reality. You just have to act upon it. You can't just keep thinking about it, keep waiting on it. You've got to do the mixture of the things I mentioned previously. You've got to believe in yourself with the manifestation. You've got to be consistent. You've got to, not, you've got to learn <laughs> to not care what other people think. You've got to take on board constructive criticism and you've just got to go for it. As you say, Nike say, just do it. Just go for it and honestly, you will achieve your dreams. So set yourself some goals, manifest it and turn it into a reality i know you can all do it write down the things your hobbies your interests things that you like for example from the whole thing with payday vintage and the youtube i turned an interest i didn't go into it youtube thinking i want to make money i just did it because i love it and you can turn your passion the better you get at it and you kind of inspire others give other people value the money then comes to you so i grew my instagram page i didn't do it to gain money and now as I've grown the Instagram page I've gained more of a following brands have believed in my content and then they send me stuff and they also pay me to promote their products because in return my followers will buy their products and then they make the money back but it's just insane that like from growing an Instagram page something I didn't realize I could even make money from that brands are now paying me to send me free stuff like that just blows my head like from something I just started as a fun little hobby has now turned into a kind of job without me even trying like I just did it because I loved it and that's what happens a lot of people like artists they just do art because they love it and then people follow that art and then they end up selling that art because people buy into them they like them and so it's not always you shouldn't just do things for the money you should do things for what you love so I love fashion I love creating content and I've turned those things into reality and they've now become my full-time job which is Pretty mad to say that at 23 years old, I've now moved out from home after university in a pandemic and I'm working for myself. And now we're going to move on to the final topic, which is networking, which I think is got to be one of the biggest skills, well, especially in the whole creative and content realm. Actually, no, at any job, being a good networker just opens up so many opportunities. 
And as my mum taught me when I was younger, she is a Buddhist, so she's taught me to obviously be nice to everyone and never try to moan. She, she meditates a lot and she always says that there's no point moaning, just keep it to yourself. Moaning doesn't cause any good. People like solutions. So as you'll see from big CEOs in a company, if someone's moaning about something, they don't end up carrying on the moan with them. They think of a solution. They think of the solution to that, solve the problem so then less people are moaning and you wanna try and get negative people kind of out your life. Like if someone's negative and you give them a solution and then they carry on moaning about that problem, then you need to cut them people out of your life or like not spend as much time around them because you've given them a solution, so why are they still moaning? And you'll encounter so many of these people and it just happens. I don't know why they're just not in the right mindset. They just need to stop moaning. There's always someone in a worse position than you, so just try to stop moaning and just take it in and just think of things positively and it'll get you in such a better mindset to then achieve your goals. But anyways, I went off a, a little bit off topic then. We're gonna talk about networking and networking, I think, is one thing, well, probably I'd say my best trait. I don't I don't wanna sound big headed there. I'm a big extrovert. I just love talking and meeting people. I played sport my whole life, so I met a lot of people through playing sport. You play in different teams, you play against teams. So like when I went to high school, I knew quite a lot of people. And then from that, I had like quite a lot of like different friend groups, let's just say. But speaking of networking, the biggest thing, obviously going to university, that's a huge thing. You're thrown in the deep end where you don't know anybody and you basically just gotta use your networking skills to find your friends, to find the people that you like, to find people that will help your journey. And that's why I think university, I know people, I know I know I kind of contradicted myself by saying, because university is what gets you the nine to five job. But one of the best things is university is it forces everyone to get out of their comfort zone and meet new people. And I feel like improves everyone's networking skills and everyone's confidence. But going off the main thing with networking, and the thing that hit me the most, I think, was when I moved to America. So I did a year abroad in my third year of university. I went to study a year in Philadelphia in America. And the reason why this was the best form of networking was because I knew no one. Like It was like two of the kids who came from my university, my friend Will, and then another lad called George. But apart from that, I didn't know anyone. So I was kind of thrown straight in the deep end and a completely different culture. But the reason why it was really good networking is because the people I made friends with in America were people who were doing the same thing as me. So YouTube, content creators. I was surrounding myself with a good close circle. And that was something that took me obviously till the third year of university to realize how important that is. If your friends with other people who are doing the same thing as you, it pushes you, motivates you, and you learn so much more. So when I was in America, I met lots of models, photographers, like I went to these, like in America, it's much more common, like they have events, there's a thing called Philly Create, there'd literally be a meetup, there'd be four locations, and you'd meet up, there'd be about 300 people, photographers, videographers, models, content creators, you'd all meet up, mingle, shoot content, videos, whatever it may be, everyone, you know, would exchange details, literally you're getting so many, that's the, probably the best networking event I've ever been to, met like 300 to 400 people, new people in America, and it just opened up so many opportunities, I'd tell them I do YouTube, they'd be like, oh, I have a clothing brand, I can send you some stuff, or, oh, I'm a photographer, um, I can shoot some photos for you, blah, 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 and from that, then you meet that person, you meet their friends, and then opportunities just then rise. Like, always say yes to opportunities, going off the mindset before. You just gotta go with it sometimes, and just, it'll lead to a lot more things. And then, one kind of big change, or like, big thing that made me realize as well, this is a crazy story, to be honest. It's one of my favorite stories to tell. Philadelphia was next to New York. I used to love going to New York. It was like, six pound return on a mega bus so i'd wake up at like 6 a.m get the mega bus it took an hour to get to from philly to new york i'd sleep on the coach and then i'd wake up and i'd be in new york for i think 8 a.m so 8 a.m and then i'd get the 11 p.m bus back so i'd have the whole day in new york wouldn't have to pay for accommodation it was honestly the dream and i went to new york a lot because obviously it was really good for youtube content and i was filming it was 
the Palace and Palace is a skateboarding brand and they were doing a collab with Ralph Lauren, which is insane. A skateboard brand from the UK collabing with an American like menswear designer brand. So there was two stores in the whole of New York which sell this collaboration. There's the Palace store, which obviously everyone's going to go to. And there's a store called Dover Street Market, which is basically like a Selfridges in America. We've got one in London, but it's basically just like a Selfridges. And we, I turned up to Davis Street Market an hour before the drop and there was no one there. Like, you all know from the UK, if you're into like the streetwear culture, people camp out like overnight for releases because they know if they get that shoe, they can either keep it for themselves or they can resell it and there's a lot of money and profits to be made. So I turned up at Davis Street Market and I was like, this is crazy. Like, maybe they don't know that they're stuck in Dover Street Market. Like, maybe they're stupid. They've all gone to Palace. I'm going to get all of these insane pieces from the Ralph Palace collab. So I'm waiting there on my own. And then one of the guy rocks up. He's from France. He's from Paris. And he's just chilling there as well. And we're sitting there. And we're a bit like, I didn't talk to him yet. And we're just waiting. And we're looking around like, why is there no one here? Like, it's so weird. And the staff started arriving. So I just went over to one of the staff. And I was like, why is there no queue? Like, where is everyone? And she was like, you're wasting your time. It was a raffle online. So if you don't have a ticket, you're not getting anything. So I was like, fuck, I've just wasted an hour just sitting here. And it was freezing, by the way. So freezing my arse off. Just sat on this, on the pavement. And I was thinking, what an idiot. So I went over to the French guy. Told him what's going on with it. Said, don't bother, like, you know, waiting around here. Don't waste your time. I said, I'm going to go to the palace store to film so if I do get manage to get myself a ticket and I get something I'll give you a ring and I'll get you something if you want it so from just being nice and generous he was like um well I kind of asked like what what, what are you doing here and he was just like speaking saying oh I work in one of the stops in Soho so I was a bit curious just you know just asking questions it's always good to ask questions always ask why always get people to expand on things because you always learn new things. It's a good conversation starter too. And then it was random. He was like, oh, thank you so much for helping me. He was like, put on your Bluetooth on your... Anyway, sorry, sorry. He first said, what are you doing tonight? Are you free? And I said, well, I'm going to... My bus is back at 11 p.m., but I'm free this evening. Yeah, why? He went, put on your Bluetooth. So I looked at him a bit strained, like, what? So I put on my Bluetooth and then an airdrop thing just came across. I pressed accept. It was an invitation for the Montclair event at the new Soho store in, in New York City. And I was like, what? VIP, like, pass to get in. So I was like, this is insane. And he was like, yeah, thank you for being so helpful. I'm the managing director of the Paris store. I've just been invited to come open the Soho store. So you can come to the event tonight. It starts at 8 p.m. Come meet us there. And I was thinking like, what? This is insane. This is just a random guy from just me being nice to. He's invited me to the Moncler event in Soho. Like, what? What? This is insane. So he went off his own, own way and I was just like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. So I had a pretty hectic day. Ended up going to do the drop, filming all day. and Went to this event. Went to this event on my own. I think I'm nervous. I'm literally, I was 21 years old. I didn't know anyone show my pass, walk up to the door. I literally wasn't even dressed appropriately. I'd, I'd dressed for a streetwear drop. I was wearing literally like palace track pants and a palace sweatshirt and Yeezys. Like everyone there is at a Montclair event. They're dressed nice and designer. I turn up, it's free alcohol all night, free bar, canapes. And um, there was literally like Victoria's Secret models. Cody Simpson, the singer was there. Nina Agdal was there. G, like GQ magazine writers models, like DJs, like so many like famous people. And I was the youngest there by a mile, by a mile. And obviously I couldn't just, you know, stay around with the guy who invited me to the event. I said hi to him when I came in. And I was like, how the hell am I gonna speak to some people? Like I had a lot of drinks to get myself in, you know, the more confident spirit. Cause I didn't, I was like completely out of my comfort zone, completely, but I had a camera on me, didn't I? Because I was doing YouTube. So I was just filming. I just thought, I'll just go around and film this place. I'm in the Montclair store. You're allowed to try on the clothes. And it's a good way to have a conversation starter. So I'd say like, oh, do you want a photo? And I would snap a photo on my camera. 
and I take their details because obviously once you take a photo, everyone nowadays is on social medias and it's the best way to network. So I take a photo of someone, I say, oh, what do you do, blah, blah, blah. What's your Instagram? I will send you these photos in next week. So that was a really good way to start a conversation. So I just pretended, I bullshit, I pretended I was the photographer there. I didn't want to just say, oh yeah, I met this guy on the street and he gave me an invite. I wanted to act like I was meant to be there. So I pretended I was a photographer, went around just shooting people. And this is before I even got into photography. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was just going around snapping people. Like, do you know what I mean? If they didn't contact me, I'm never going to see them again. So that's kind of how it was. So I went around and that's kind of when I realised how important being a photographer is. Everyone nowadays needs content. And that's from that point was when I was like, I'm going to learn photography because it's such a useful skill because the problem I was having in America was I wanted to shoot with the creators, like photographers, but they don't gain anything out of it apart from obviously my following. Like they want money. Do you know what I mean? It's their job at the end of the day. They don't want to do free work. So I wanted to be learn to be a photographer because if I could do photography, I could then go out with another content creator. I could take their photos and then in return, I could be like, oh, while you're here, can you take my photos? So then I get my own Instagram photos and I get to meet creators. And from that, it was pretty insane, that Montclair event, through my networking and bullshitting that I was a photographer, I met this woman called Gabriella, who shout out to Gabriella. She was um, one of the writers of a magazine, a famous magazine in New York. And she said, oh, fashion week's coming up in January and I love your like energy and your hardworking spirit and drive do you want to come and shadow me and be my personal photographer and videographer for New York Fashion Week? I'll get you into shows. And obviously I was like, yes. So I ended up shooting at New York Fashion Week, which was insane, like insane. And I didn't have a clue still at this point how to properly use a camera. Like it was only from that date at the Montclair event, I thought I'm going to learn, I need to learn how to be a photographer. So I just had to pretend that I was a photographer and yeah, it's pretty insane. I was a complete rookie, like one of <laughs> you'll find this funny, one of the shows I was shooting the catwalkers and obviously it's dark, so I've just got my flash on, shooting flash, and you're not meant to shoot flash when they're doing a catwalk. Obviously it's so distracting. And I'm just sitting there on the floor, just kept shooting, and then someone just taps me and like, What the fuck are you doing? Like, you can't put the flash on. And that was honestly just so embarrassing. But obviously, once again, you learn from your mistakes and sometimes you've got to throw yourself in the deep end. So yeah, going on through networking, that's why, especially if you're a content creator, you should do a lot of things and reach out to other people. Like people, we're living in a world where you can contact anyone for free from all over the world, whether it be email, I don't know, um, text, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you can speak to anyone in a heartbeat for free. It's like insane. The world is just so interconnected. And sometimes you just got to reach out. Like, what is the worst that's going to happen? Someone is going to say no and not give you the advice. But every one in 100 person, you might find that right person who's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to give you advice. And then you're going to end up learning more. So, for example, when I went to America, I would search the hashtag Philly photographer, Philly influencer, Philly model. And I remember I messaged probably about 200. 200 people probably only got like two replies and then two people were the people I became friends with and I still am friends with them to this day Amar and we when I plan to get back to America we'll end up going shooting together and like it just shows if you put yourself out there and you just reach out to people for example Derek Derek is a guy in New York City I'd never even met him I just saw him on Instagram he put a comment saying that New York can be lonely sometimes so I dropped him a message and then we ended up meeting up once again took a risk could have been a complete randomer and a complete weirdo but I, I did my background research and turns out he'd like been an actor in a few Netflix shows and I ended up bringing him to one of my New York Fashion Week shows with me and he let me stay at his in New York so we built up a good relationship and we still speak to this day and that was one of the things which I definitely wish I learned a lot earlier and I think that's a good thing that university teaches you too is it forces you to get out of your comfort zone and meet new people and I feel like a lot of people are very comfortable with their own friends from home. Like, your first friends aren't going to be, have the same interests as you. Like, as you grow up, everyone gains their new interests. For example, I'm still friends with all my close friends from home, but none of them do fashion or YouTube content. So I have my other friends too, who do the content creation. 
I hang around with a lot because obviously they push me further and they're going to increase my skills, improve my business, improve my channel, improve my podcast. So you've got to learn to surround yourself as well with a good circle. I'm not saying disregard your friends from home because that'd be stupid. You should never do that. They're your friends for life. They're people you've grown up with. You're always going to be friends with. But you've got to learn to find people too who are in the same creative realm. For example, James, the guy who owns the clothing brand, I've mentioned him a few times. And Matt, who I live with. So Matt's obviously a film student. So he's taught me loads about film, editing, etc. And James owns his own clothing brand. He's helped me expand my business as well as helping me set up my clothing brand, Ultraplete. So networking is honestly so key. And always be nice to people. No matter how much they annoy you or anything, being nice to you always wins. And it brings good karma. I mean, I believe in that. If you do good things with people, then good things will happen in return and it'll open up a lot more doors. So, so far, I think I'm around, I haven't set a timer, but I think I'm around like the 50 minute mark. So um, let's carry on. I think I can go delve into a bit more into the networking. So kind of going off that photography point that I mentioned earlier, I'm going to talk about kind of like the term specialization. So specialization is basically where you keep practicing on one skill until you're really good at it. And I think that is kind of key. You shouldn't always put your eggs in that one basket, but it's really good to have like a speciality in a certain skill because that can become the best way to network. Because if you've got a skill that not everyone has, you can utilize that skill to then meet other people. For example, when I moved to Manchester, Reels has become a new platform on Instagram because they're trying to replicate TikTok. So a lot of people who are Instagram content creators who originally always use photos don't have a clue when it comes to videos. They've never done it before. They've never video edited. And for example, there was this model called Jay Monroe who I met and Mikey Speakman who are both content creators. They live in Manchester. Both got huge followings, like the models, like they do it full-time. They've been grinding on Instagram their whole lives, but they've never done reels before. So I offered my services to help them out for free, like film them a reel, shoot their photos, did the good networking. And then from that, built a good connection with them. And then when they got like client work, for example, Jay had client work from JD. I offered to do his videos for him. I did him for a really cheap rate because obviously just met him and I wanted to build that relationship and we've still kept that good relationship. And yeah, so I helped him film reels for JD, which is pretty insane. And that just shows if you have a skill that you can specialize in, for example, Matt with his animations, my housemate, he can do animations and he's animated like intros for bigger YouTubers. And it's a good way to get your foot in the door with the right people. So for example, another friend I know through university, he's called Ola, he does customized shoes, it's called BVL Design, so go check him out. He has made, he's basically customized his shoes, he's quit his job. I'll probably get him as a guest on the podcast. He quit his job and then customized his own shoes and he uses networking skills from his job to end up collaborating with EA. He made shoes for Ian Wright, a hat for Ian Wright. He's made shoes for Jamie Oliver, which is insane. And he also has a friend whose Instagram handle is called Sun Guru. He basically creates like the 4D or 3D Instagram filters and he's now made like the virtual reality and he's now collaborated with like Virgil Abloh, Kadranada, Louis Vuitton. Like he's collabing with some crazy people because he has a skill which not everyone can do and you can utilize that skill to then network with the people who are bigger than you but you can benefit for them more and that's one thing you've got to take into account. So that's why I'm always trying to improve on my photography and videography and kind of expand more skills so then I have more chance of collaborating and networking with these people who are succeeding higher from me and I can kind of learn from them, gain knowledge from them and then take their knowledge, bring it into my own kind of skills and mindset and expand my business. But I think I'm going to wrap it up there. I think I've been talking for about an hour. I always want to try and aim to keep these an hour long so you can stay engaged and not bored but please let me know what you thought of this podcast I tried to be as honest and truthful as possible talking about like my childhood my setting up my business if there's anything you want to hear or anything you want questions you want answered then drop them to my Instagram which is at them had the underscore and I'll be sure to answer all of your questions 
episode two is going to be about the influencer lifestyle, influencer from my perspective, as well as influencers, working with influencers from a business perspective. But I hope you all had an amazing day. Thank you to anyone who has made it to the end. And I'd appreciate, once again, everyone's constructive criticism. So tell me what you didn't like about the podcast. And then I'll take it in on board and improve for my second episode. So I'll see you all in the next one.